The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Friday, September 11th, 2015. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Wait, Mike's supposed to be on vacation today. What? Is that really you, Mike? Hi, Andrea. Aw, we missed you, buddy. How was your trip? <laughs> Flapjacks. Pesca's inside the gist again. <laughs> oh, it's me, your host, Andrea Salenzi. You might know me as the guest host from Wednesday and our show's in-house jingle tunesmith slash only producer. Mike's been away on vacation. Where'd you go again, Mike? Partying with George Clooney at his Lake Como house about 16 miles from Kansas City International Airport. Nice. Where'd you stay? The Medicine Hat Marriott. Come for the medicine. Stay for the medicine. So, obviously, I'm using the vast just archives to resurrect our host in Dada form. But I bet you're wondering how on earth I got him to say the proper date if he's allegedly so far away from the Just Studios. So I'll let you in on a secret. Isn't that a Wilco album? The Just makes mistakes. Sometimes we even make a mistake with the very first thing you hear at the top of the show, which is Mike saying today's date. First, second, third, fourth, fifth. We've messed it up so many times that we even have a file of Mike Pesca just reading all the possible days that there are in a given month. 13th, 14th, 15th. So, Mike, will you help me host today? Andrea, what is coming up on the show? For the spiel, what it means to cross the cosmic threshold from an under 30 into an over 30. Can you still drink 40s? (laughs) And how sad should you be if you never made a 30 under 30 list? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but first, an investigation into the minds of dogs. But a boss, dogs are done to talk. I'll speak with a human person, Alexandra Horowitz from the Dog Cognition Lab at Barnard. But first, you want to go outside? We'll go for a walk? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go to the dog park. <laughs> I'm at the Leroy Dog Park. Thank God I got out of the studio. It's so quiet in there. And a little dog just came over to me with a little ball, and I'm going to throw it. Get it. I love dogs. Oh, he's back with the ball again. Can we just make the whole show this, Henry? Oh, one of the dogs just jumped out of the pool and then drooled all over my leg. The reason why I'm here is I want to learn from dog owners themselves. What's it like inside of a dog mind? Sniff, sniff, sniff. I want to pee. I want to pee. Because that's the first thing when your dog goes out of the door. I need to pee, (laughs) you know? Yeah, once he picked up something that looked like a human eyeball. It was, and I didn't know, and I pulled it out of his mouth. I hope it wasn't a human eyeball, but it was, it was pretty horrible. But for him, that was like the best day of his life. Yeah, he was like, Mom, come on, that was chewy. I'm never going to find one of these again. Exactly. That was probably my worst moment, the eyeball. Well, he never, he never forgets a place where he's been. So he'll take me to, if I say we're going to see Paulina. He knows where Paulina lives, and he'll start to move in that direction. When he goes number two, he likes to do it against something. So he'll do it against a tree or against the fence, and I don't understand why. It's very strange, but that's what he likes. Yeah, I've met some of the most amazing people in the dog run. Unfortunately, mostly married or gay. Not like eligible bachelors, but oh well. Everyone loves to tell me what they do while they listen to the gist. They cook, they commute. But the thing I hear most often is this. 
I walk my dog. Walking the dog with something in my ears makes me more present to the dog in the sense that, you know, I'll let her do her thing, be on her dog time, and not feel the time pressure of let's get this over with and go home. That's Dana Stevens. She's Slate's movie critic and the co-host of the Culture Gab Fest. She walks Ruby. Uh, Ruby's a very shy dog. She's afraid of most things in the world, other dogs, people she doesn't know, plastic bags blowing by are particularly terrifying. Sometimes while we walk, questions come up, like that plastic bag. Is there a safe word, right, where I can say, like, the plastic bag will not harm you and I can bring peace to her soul? Well, today on the show, call over Fido or Bear or Ernie and take your dog for a walk while we have a chat about walking dogs. My guest is Alexandra Horvitz from the Dog Cognition Lab at Barnard, an author of Inside a Dog, and more recently, a book with only one dog in it called On Looking, 11 Walks with Expert Eyes. Her gift is the ability to observe how others observe and share those observations with us. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. So let's talk our way through a walk. How does my dog know when we're going on a walk instead of I'm just leaving to go do something? Well, your dog is basically a professional observer of you. Most of what we give them to do all day is not very much, and so they know your habits really well, and they pick up the difference between getting up to go to the fridge or getting up to go to the bathroom or getting up and maybe potentially, hopefully, going for a walk. And they learn associations, like all of us, you know, many associations, getting up, heading in the right direction, a certain kind of pace to your gait, and then finally you know, picking up the leash and opening the door. So they're on to you probably, maybe even before you're fully committed to the walk. Is it the best part of her day? I assume so, right? It's the, it's A, it's with you. So it's interacting with you. And that's the highlight of most domestic dogs' life is the human-dog bond, you know, as it is sometimes for us. And also, this is, you know, the smelliest, most wonderful <laughs> interactive part of their environment. Homes are pretty controlled olfactory visual environments and outside, you know, anything can happen. And I think that must be sort of a daily thrill. For her, is it more like reading the New York Times or is it more like checking Facebook or some (laughs) kind of combination of the two? Well, if I had only those to go through, I'd say it was definitely more Facebooky because a lot of the information they're going to get about other dogs is about their status, what they've been doing, who they are, who's been by, when they've been by, how often they've been by. I mean, that information is all in olfactory cues they leave. We can see some of that, obviously, in looking at a dog, but they can smell even more of it. So I think it's really status about your community. And then, of course, just information about the world, too. So there's a little times in it, right? It's the person who sends you you know, the the links to the times. So there's information about, you know, a weather system approaching that would have an olfactory component. Potentially a dog could read that, you know, what's happened on the street overnight. There'd be indications of it that a dog might be interested in discovering. So tell me about the makeup of a dog's nose. They do have impressive noses in lots of ways. You know, you could say you could go in any dimension. They have hundreds of millions more receptor cells, which are the cells which can receive odors. They have this very long nose, the snout, which allows for a certain kind of airflow, which brings air back to the epithelial tissue where all the cells are. They sniff better than we do. They have this amazing sniffing which includes that they exhale out the side slits of their nose so they can constantly be sniffing in just the way we're constantly looking at a scene, whereas we sniff in this kind of big... And then when we exhale, it all goes out. 
which is often to our delight, but then we lose all that information. So that all is much better in the dog. Um, but also they just stick their noses in things. And I, you can't downplay the importance of that. Especially when they run into another dog. <laughs> yes, right into the other dog. And I, and I think that's always acceptable. I always approve of that, basically, even though it looks very impolite to us. How important is it for the dog to feel like, I have a plan, I know where I'm going, versus letting the dog follow its own like curiosity and instinct? I always go back and forth. If she's really insistent about this one's direction, should I give her that one bit of freedom for her day? <laughs> or does she want to know I'm a man with a plan? <laughs> I think they love habit. So it's nice to have roots that are consistent. Um, and then they can look at the variations within that consistency. Um, they like new things within a comfortable environment. Uh, but this lady who carries her dog around in a stroller in my neighborhood told me that she varies her walk every time because if the dog were to ever get lost, then it would learn, it would know more about the neighborhood and find its way home. We attribute a lot to dogs, don't we? Yeah. Well, at any rate, I would also <laughs> take them on new walks. You know, I wouldn't do just one or the other is, is all I say. Let them choose sometimes. You choose sometimes and do habitual walks. You know, I've had I've had a dog escape from a house and found her way back home. Was it because we took a lot of new walks? I don't know. We also did a lot of the same walks. How important is curbing my dog? I think it's an unresolved question, you know, that our society has that dogs eliminate outside and... Um, although in New York City, there's a law that you're supposed to have them urinate off the curb. As with everything else, it feels like dog interaction should have its own rules. But there I follow common sense principles like, gee, you know, let's not go in the middle of the sidewalk. Just like I wouldn't let my child go in the middle of the sidewalk because other people and dogs have to step there. But green space is pretty much on limits, you know, as far as I'm concerned, any park space. That's why, you know, if I go to a park by myself... I always bring a blanket before I sit down. I think that's a wise move, knowing that I live in a city of dogs. So what else does my dog notice about my neighborhood that I'm totally unaware of? I think one of the things that I imagine, you know, here I have to extrapolate from just what I know about their sensory ability and their cognitive abilities, because obviously no dog has told me this themselves. But I, I do extrapolate to imagining that they see something about what's happened in the past on that street more than we do. In other words, we walk out on the street and it's just, if you're walking out of your house or your apartment, it's just the street you always see. You know, you really didn't see it at all. In fact, if you, I asked you what happened on your street, your street this morning, you might not have any report at all. If there were any different cars, if there were different people, zero report. Because we just aren't looking, we're in our own heads. I think for dogs, it's a really new environment every time. Because if you're olfactory, then you know, this olfactory street gets renewed a lot. So they're seeing a new street every time they go out with some familiar elements, familiar landmarks. And they're seeing partly what happened, you know, last night, maybe the day before, maybe just then, whereas we don't see that at all. What is your routine with your dog when it's time to go for a walk? Well, we have different walks depending on the time of day. And my husband is implicated too. And if it's the morning, it's the park. We go to the park, which is we're near Riverside Park, and you can be off-leash before 9. And so my whole life, basically, I've had to get up early enough so that I could have a good off-leash walk before 9. That will always be the case. I will never sleep in, and that's because I've always lived with dogs. And so we'll have as you know as much time as we can basically romping around. And I we are, always try to have a mix of 
the things that the two dogs like, they have two different personalities. One really is a ball dog at this point, although he hasn't always been. So he loves to run long distances and, and retrieve or sort of retrieve balls. And the other is a dog dog, you know, as I say, which is means he's really looking for social others to play with. And then also is a little bit of a scaredy cat, so he wants to go home as soon as he can. So here's an argument that always goes on in my head. Do our dogs really love us? And the one side of it is that dogs are just out for dog. They're always thinking, is this good for dog? Great, then I'll smile and wag my tail. And then the other side is that this is how we kind of reduce dogs. We kind of say humans are superior by saying that they are incapable of love. I don't know. As I learn to love my dog more and more as we've grown more and more bonded, I've had her for four or five years, I'm actually starting to think like, oh, she loves me. Am I right? I think I can say she probably loves you. Yeah. I don't think that love is identical to what it is in people. I mean, certainly they don't have the linguistic substructure, you know, to ruminate on their love for us. But we basically domesticated an animal to the point where they could potentially be interested in us enough to love us. I mean, that's kind of what we did in domestication is made a creature that would form a real strong attachment to humans. And that's what they have. Your dog prefers you over other people. She would miss you if you left, you know. And you can't just swap in another one of you and have it be exactly the same. So sometimes, with you know, there's an argument that with cats, there is a little swapping you can do. And still the cat's like, that's another really nice warm lap. But they're not domesticated to the same degree, you know, and they're really different kinds of social animals. So I think it's fair to say dogs love you. I wouldn't have any reservation about that as long as you don't think it's exactly the same as you feel about your dog, you know, just because our minds and dog minds are not identical. So Dana asked, how could she train her dog from running away from these plastic bags and other things that make her afraid? Can you teach a dog a safe word? How do you give that dog more confidence? (laughs) Well, there could be a lot of things going on. I mean, when I think, when I hear Dana's story, I think, Isn't it interesting? Your dog has pointed out, you know, all the plastic bags on your route. I sort of look at it in a different way. Now, if the dog's really fearful of that bag and and lots of other things, then you have a fearful dog. There's not a safe word exactly. It would be about counter-conditioning the dog to when they start noticing things that make them scared, suddenly get excited that something good is going to happen. And that's about you noticing the you know the plastic bag before your dog does getting them to turn towards you and giving them a treat and then suddenly they associate the plastic bag coming with like something yummy coming out of your pocket and you know that's a kind of antiphobia conditioning that can really really work you have to be really consistent about it and you have to probably notice a lot of plastic bags you know you have to be on top of it but she probably already does notice all the plastic bags at this point so you could do that. And I wouldn't, you know, if your dog is just telling you something about that they're scared, it's okay, you know, as long as they're not running into the street. It's okay that they find that unusual. You know, it is it is unusual. It's weird that we accept floating garbage, right? Like, why aren't we jumping back and saying, hey, what? <laughs> There's garbage all over my street. You know, that the dog does, okay. Like, pick up the garbage as long as the dog is not freaked out and go to the next block. Alexandra Horvitz. She's the author of Inside a Dog, and more recently, a book with only one dog in it called On Looking, 11 Walks with Expert Eyes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs) Thanks for taking me on your walk. Hey, listeners, 
Don't forget that the Gist Live show is coming up at the Bell House on September 29th. This is the most interesting Tuesday you're going to have all month. Economic insights from Adam Davidson, cocktails by Chris Wirtz, Is That Bullshit Done Live with Maria Konnikova, Animal Husbandry, Whimsy. Go to slate.com slash NYC just for all the info on that. That's enough Pescabot, right? Okay, one more Pescabot. Go to slate.com slash NYC just for... I'm looking forward to it. Ready for the spiel? Oh, I thought I'd do it today, but you can try. We can have two hosts. We can have two spiels, right? And now the spiel. We are ridiculously ignorant about the fact that Hillary Clinton and... Andy Bowers? ...are 19th cousins. Or is that really the story? <laughs> That's it for today's show. Andrew Lindsay Thing, Joel Meyer, blah, blah, blah. Andy Bowers, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And now the spiel. Look what I made. Mike actually did have an idea for what I should do in the spiel today. He said I should share a work of audio fiction that I created this year for the Sarah Awards from Sarah Lawrence College. They're a new audio fiction initiative with a podcast called Serendipity. Can't recommend it enough. This is a story I made about my 30th birthday. In it, there's a character. Her name's Andrea, which is my name. So think of it this way. You know how Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm isn't Larry David, but he's kind of Larry David? That's like Andrea. Eh, you'll figure it out. Here we go. On the night Andrea turned 30, she was alone in her room. So I just looked up and it is 12.08. A text message made her cry. Her Aunt Nancy called and told her, Literally, I blinked and I was 30. (laughs) And then I blinked and now I'm 68. She had to come to terms with everything she'd done before that day and everything she'd hoped to do after it. She remembered the years she'd wasted driving a boyfriend to work, the friends who weren't friends anymore, the language she'd forgotten how to speak. The first 30 years of your life, you spend trying to find out who you're not. She stared at the ceiling and wondered what she wanted from the rest of it. More saying the right things, for her dog to live forever, a pair of really cool sunglasses, Challenge, company, novelty. She fell asleep. She took a shower. As you get older, the longer you spend time in your body, you get real comfortable with your own skin. This is who I really am. Like it or leave it, it's who I is. And therefore, I'm going to be happy with who I am. She played cell phone games on the train while listening to a podcast. She went through a turnstile. The blind, homeless man at her subway station moaned. I'm actually happier, Andrea, now than I've ever been in my entire life. She walked to work. But as you get older, you start to say, wait a minute. Um, Now, where did that kink come from? Or, oh no, where did that thing come from? At noon, she had a health screening. Are you fasting today? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna pick you. They drew her old blood. Happy birthday again. <laughs> yeah, I'm 30 today. Oh. The nurse took her blood pressure. I'm gonna do your blood pressure. Okay. And asked if she had any questions. Any question from here? Andrea took a moment and asked, how come I'm full of energy sometimes and totally myself 
and other times I can be like really tired. And sometimes I've noticed that things can hurt. Okay. Like in different places, things hurt sometimes. The nurse smiled slowly, pulled out the paperwork and cruelly underlined her birthday. After work, Andre went out with a friend, ordered a salad. It's so funny, I had no idea that you were like even close to 30. Like when I think of someone who's 30, I think of someone who's like, kind of got their life together, like she's living with her boyfriend. I don't know, someone who like exercises regularly. Like I think of someone who's like at Ann Taylor. Also, you still kind of like slump over like you're self-conscious a lot. But also maybe you should have like plans on the weekend. Because whenever I call you on a Saturday night, you say you're cruising the web. So? Either that or you're like watching Mad Men. On Don Draper's birthday, his wife threw him a party, sung him a sexy song, and said, Happy birthday, baby. On Andrea's birthday, her boyfriend did not sing. Can you just say like, just say like, happy birthday, you're the best girlfriend ever? <laughs> um, best girlfriend ever for me or for the world? <laughs> it turns out nothing really changes when you turn 30. You don't have to redeem your yoga group bonds. You can still shop in the junior's departments and keep accidentally saying whatever you're thinking. Your birthday is just a chance to notice time passing before you blink and you're 31. Happy, happy, happy birthday. <laughs> happy yeah. birthday again. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday, okay? I love you. Happy birthday, Andrea. You're the best girlfriend ever. Hi, Andrea. Bye. That's all for The Gist. And before we end the show, I want to talk about something big that's coming up on the Panoply Network. We just launched a show called Getting In. Getting In is a real-time podcast that's following four New York area high school seniors drawn from different socioeconomic backgrounds across the school year as they go through the exhilarating and harrowing process of applying to college. You can find out more about the show by going to slate.com slash getting in. The debut episode is up now and it is so good. Check it out. Email us at thegist at slate.com. We were produced today by Henry Malofsky, with six toes on each foot, prick ears he can control at will, and pants covered in dog slobber. He's a Norwegian lundehund. Panoply's executive producer is Andy Bowers. He's been around since before 8750, and today remains an uncommon but treasured pet, agile, smart, swift, good at hunting, and sometimes hairless, a Peruvian Inca orchid. Our usual host is Mike Pesca, one of the only dogs in the world featuring a split nose and suspended ears. Originally bred for hunting in Turkey, he's a kettle baroon. Mike will be back on Monday. The gist. Thanks for letting me sit in the host chair this week. I owe you a jingle or something. Can you work one up yourself then? Thanks for listening. <laughs>